0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty Fantasy Football. With your host John Bauer. I'm
1: looking to sell everybody price dependent.
0: Dan Lamagna.
1: Too
2: much dysfunction in Cleveland.
0: And Mitch Sorensen.
2: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. While the episode this week is one night late, I can promise you, it was worth the wait. Of course, we are joined by Dan Lamagna. That's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's
0: up, Dan? Man, you look like you're sweating there. I feel fresh. What? I feel I feel like you guys just pulled off a doubleheader, and like you know, I'm like the the, the fresh pitcher after you guys have gone uh, 18 innings here.
1: No, there's no sweat, no sweat here. I showered before, so Mitch and I. It is a doubleheader because we were on Fantasy Football Confidential, had a fantastic show. Ryan McDowell was able to join us as a special guest, but I took a shower before the show. The, the gel is still holding, so that, that that's gel, no sweat.
0: No is that sweat. true, Mitch, or, is, or did he like really grind in the last podcast? You know, I feel like there he's, was a lot of grinding. He's working hard. Definitely right a now. lot of grinding. All right. All right. A lot of grinding, a lot of grinding. All right. We're also joined
1: by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC
2: on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? What's up? I've been looking forward to the show because we're thinking about what we want to do before free agency. And so we're like, you know, let's ask our patrons who are in the Patreon, Dynasty Theory, um, some questions they have. And a lot of them are like, I don't know, this is really hard to get into, but what do you think of these different questions? And so I was actually really excited about the questions that they brought up because there's stuff that I struggle with in leagues right now. And a lot of it is philosophy and strategy based, and
1: it really is diving into the theory. And I've been telling you to this constantly. I'm tired of talking about players, player a player B I'm tired of it. I want to talk more about the overall strategy, but we are still going to talk about specific players and Dan, you kind of ran that by us. You're like, "Hey, guys, you know, what are you what are you bringing to the table tonight?" And Mitch said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna basically fall asleep during tonight's show because it's past my bedtime. It's a late show tonight.
2: Dude, it, it's 8:15 here. Like, I don't know how you East Coasters do it. Like, I go to sleep before both of you, and you're both already up chatting before I wake up. It it's really weird. We talk about grinding. That's Dan and myself. That's what <laughs> that's what you
1: do in Pennsylvania.
0: Lots sleep. of grinding." Sleep's overrated in Pennsylvania. Yeah,
1: come on, come on. And I don't know about you guys, but the weather, I don't want to get into it too much. We almost hit 60 degrees here in Pittsburgh. We had the windows open. It was beautiful today. It was beautiful. snowing here in Utah. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Utah. But you know what else is beautiful? Tonight's tonight's show notes, just phenomenal. So one of the things, and Mitch, you brought it up. We open this up to our patrons, and it's patreon.com forward slash dynasty theory. I constantly say it, but it's the best group of people because the conversation doesn't stop. We have people, I think, in four or five different countries, literally around the clock conversation. I wake up and I have 50 messages. I'm like, what the heck are these guys talking about today? But we open it up to them and we said, what do you guys want to hear about? What do you what questions do you have? And like you said, Mitch, the one it was. Focused around the perception of running backs and wide receivers in dynasty within the community. How are they seen? Um, you know, shelf life, how to approach the positions in dynasty, the general public consensus. And is it correct? And when this was brought up, Mitch, you were like, this drives me crazy.
2: It does. It's really hard because I do think like wide receivers themselves are overvalued in dynasty. I think. I would say the majority of dynasty owners believe that you should build your roster through wide receivers and then fill in running backs when you can. And while I like to play the other side of that, that's still the value for 70% of the owners out there. And so I have to buy into those values if I want to get any trains done. So although while I would rather get like we had a startup recently to where I really wanted Christian McCaffrey early. But in startups right now, if you take Christian McCaffrey early, you you have a hard time getting like two good quarterbacks after the second and third round. And so when you compare running backs to how deep the wide receiver class is, like I just really want to stack my running backs up because I know in the ninth, tenth round, I can still get decent starting wide receivers. And we constantly talk about roster construction. And we've
1: spent a few Sunday brunches talking specifically about that. But, Dan, you know, if you talk to 10 different people constantly, well, wide receivers, they have a longer shelf life as a high-end fantasy contributor. What are your thoughts? And there's no, you know, oh, we did a a 50-month study. Here's all the data to support it. But just your general opinion, do you think maybe the Dynasty community has it just a little bit wrong?
0: Maybe just a little bit. And... I'm gonna age myself again. I do that every three episodes at least, or 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 you remind me. But uh, you know, I grew up, you know, say I'm in my forties now. I've been playing like all of us, you know, probably fantasy football since high school. And back then, like I've continued to play all different formats, but I grew up in that redraft era where like running backs always dominated that first round. And then, you know, I, I played Dynasty or what they called keeper many years ago, but Compared to what I've endeavored with you gentlemen, it it was like novice dynasty back in the day. Now in the last three years, as I've soaked up so much, I do hear that theory of, you know, zero running backs and the wide receivers and dynasty being prevalent. And I do see the concept. So when I look at this for myself, I see the scarcity of the running back versus the longevity and long-term value of the wide receiver. And I try to balance that out. I definitely understand the value of wide receiver. They last much longer. Even you want to call like the old heads, like the Julios and the Hopkins, like they still have value where if they were a running back, we wouldn't get anything for them at all. At least every year, those, those you know, even though they're getting older, those wide receivers are still in the conversation at some point during the season or off season of having some kind of value. But I do come from that school of a balanced roster. You know, we've had Joe Pisapia from, the black book on our show before. And, and I do buy into that relative position value. Uh, I'll even plug one of our former guests Buy his black book. If you can, uh, I liked having a balanced roster. I think you guys see that playing out a little bit in our current startup draft. And, you know, I, I want to get them both, but I, I'm not going to lose out on the value of running back just to have all those, those wide receivers. And I
1: think, and and I completely get that, you know, and I think it is all about finding that balance. Dan, he wants to have his cake and eat it too. And it definitely comes through in his approach with Dynasty and his roster construction. But Mitch, I think the part that really aggravates you, and maybe I'm wrong here, but you know, I I always put words in your mouth so you can tell me if I'm wrong here. And typically you do, you have no issue with that. But I think the biggest issue is typically, typically wide receivers take a few years to develop and B, those higher-end producers, whereas we constantly see we want those running backs in that first contract, right? And that's whenever they have their highest value, da-da-da-da-da. But then what happens when a wide receiver hits 27? Nobody wants them. No, they start to fade off the radar, and their production doesn't necessarily fade because 27, that's the prime. But we already saw it. Hold on. We already saw it with DeAndre Hopkins a little bit. We saw it with Michael Thomas. You see, I mean, Robert Woods, I feel like he's undervalued every single year. Amari Cooper, he's he's old, he's old. You know, even though he's been in the league 13 years and I think he's still only 21 years old. That's what it feels like. But th- I think that's always the thing. It's like, do I want to get out a year early? Do I risk staying a year too late? But I feel like that's the issue with wide receivers. They take a few years to develop, typically, typically. But then I want to be out by the time they're 27. Dan, you had a lot of issues there because you you threw 15 red flags.
0: I had one issue, and you, you ruined it on me. First of all, Amari Cooper will be young and relevant forever. If he's on your <laughs> roster, trade him to me. S- second, I I wanted to throw the challenge flag and get Mitch's uh, take because your first statement was wide receivers take a long time to develop. And last year, we saw quite the contrary. And I think with the way the passing game is, is evolving – I, I wanted a challenge and toss it over to Mitch. But then you had to go and hedge your bet and say they often take time to develop. Come on, JB. You changed your words. No, I said typically. I didn't. I never said the word often. Typically. But, yeah,
1: these last few classes have spoiled us a little bit. But, All Mitch, right. am I off there? Or, or is this another
2: situation where I put words in your mouth and you're like, John, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's definitely not the reason why I'm against it. It's more, I think, the wide receiver – they're kind of said that like they hold their value really well. And I don't think it's true. You look at someone in 2018, Juju was the wide receiver two. I mean, he's a seventh or eighth round pick now. You have Odell, who was wide receiver one at the same time. You have Michael Thomas, who had one of the greatest wide receiver seasons we've seen two years ago. Right now, he's going in the fifth round because he had a bad eight-game stretch there. And it's just... We always love to talk about, hey, A.J. Brown's the new wide receiver one, and no, Justin Jefferson's the wide receiver one. No, it's still Devontae. No, it's Tyreek Hill, and I could name three or four more wide receivers who could be in that wide receiver one discussion. How many running backs can I realistically bring up as running back one, and one that's deserved to be drafted where he is? It's Christian McCaffrey, and if you want to get just a little bit cute with it, it's Jonathan Taylor. But other than that, there's really no discussion. And so when I look at wide receivers, yeah, you know, maybe the top ones hold their shelf value for longer than what running backs do because, you know, running backs, we know they just don't last as long as wide receivers. That's built in. But I can tell you right now, it's very easy for me to go trade for a wide receiver. It's nearly impossible for me to trade for a running back that's in a starting job right now.
1: And while it might not be your thoughts and I, I thought we were on the same page you know i i feel like our relationship as really tight-knit co-managers is just falling apart before our eyes it's top shot i had to get it in i i mean as, as much as you talk about it i'm just as into it and dan keeps saying well if it gets into football i'm only gonna want cowboys and i'm only gonna want lakers that dan You better bust out your wallet if you want to get a LeBron James. I'll tell you that.
0: I'm seeing that. I just live vicariously through through you guys. (laughs) Like throughout the day at work, you mentioned the beginning of the show. The chat goes overnight. It does, and I just keep up. I just listen. I'm watching the Top Shot and all these cool cards you guys are getting. So, you know, if there's a value play for an Amari Cooper or uh, you know Anthony Davis, maybe I'll 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 buy it off. He's just to have one in the collection.
1: Davis isn't too bad. But anyway, that's enough about that. Mitch, you got to kick off your own podcast pod podcast
2: podcast oh, i do like podcasts
1: yeah the old podcast no but you understand what i'm saying right mm-hmm. the, people yes they hold their value and certainly there's that production level that you typically and there's that word again typically don't get from running backs but people constantly want to get out from under these receivers once they approach that age 27 and we know wide receivers can produce 27 28 29 30 so for me it wasn't as much as it wasn't as much production as it was the perception of value comparing the two positions mm-hmm. and the longevity. That That's what it was for me.
0: One other thing I would add about wide receivers that I'm observing is they do keep their value. You know, and Mitch, I think did note that sometimes that value does kind of go away, but they are like the most, like the stock market there. Like people hop off so quick More of volatility. a Hopkins yeah. of a Michael Thomas and if if they're a legitimate receiver in the NFL, they're going to bounce back. It was the same thing with Stephon Diggs. He went like dark in the fantasy good world point. to some extent, where like everyone, he was like the best thing. Everyone had to have him, and then he's, his stock plummeted. Now everyone has to have him. I'm kind of thinking of wanting to sell Diggs this year because his stock is is so high. But when running backs drop off that cliff, they don't bounce back up with, like wide receivers, and I, I think that's the big difference.
1: That that's, that is a good point, and I feel like like you said, when running backs hit that cliff. They hit it hard. Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell—guys that were clearly top twelve dynasty running backs not too long ago. Whereas wide receivers, they certainly can bounce back. But we, you talk about the stock market. And I think the wide receiver position—it's certainly more volatile, just because the depth of the position and the the plateauing of scoring and the very minimal difference. But again. We looked at Michael Thomas last year. He was without a doubt the wide receiver one in Dynasty, right? No questions. Now he's going wide receiver six, seven, eight, nine. And there's a lot of factors there, right? There's the quarterback issue. and We don't really know how that's going to play out. But Christian McCaffrey, he battled injuries constantly. We saw Mike Davis produce it at uh, a solid fantasy level. Chris McCaffrey's still the running back one. Uh, Saquon. If Saquon Barkley, he's had two Mm season-ending injuries. Still a top five. Joe Mixon. uh, Joe Mixon. uh, Top 12 dynasty running back. He hasn't done anything in the last four
2: years. (laughs) I don't think he's ever been a top 12 fantasy running back, but he still gets drafted there every single year. Right. So I, I think there's two parts to that. One, like Dan said,
1: when that cliff hits, it hits hard. You're not coming back. But also, people are much more forgiving, I feel like, with those, and I use air quotes, high-end running backs. One could be name value, but also the scarcity of the position, which I think uh, Mitch mentioned, and that's obviously a valid point.
0: Yeah, I think you really have to watch those wide receiver injuries and what they are. You know, when guys do take those little like dips in their career, whether it's Ben Diggs or Hopkins or Michael Thomas, you know, you just can't run routes and do things you want to do when your ankle or your hamstring isn't responding like you needed to at that position. But there are injuries that you can recover and they still have fresh enough legs to bounce back and have a great season the next year. In football, when you're a running back, your body's taking so much of a wear and tear That's why the David Johnson never becomes the David Johnson again. It's just not the same rebounding at that position.
1: And we see that with running back value. Dan, I think you were gonna throw something through the wall when
0: you see where Ezekiel Elliott's going in startups, man. It's he's a sneaky one because he is young enough. And you watch him last year, like you know, we know they had O-line issues. He's not the Zeke like like, there is something missing. He's not breaking those 60-yard runs. We're not seeing that big one like Tony Pollard could break off in a game. But he still looks decent. And, and, and to me, I'm wondering if it's a little bit more of conditioning, too, with Ezekiel Elliott along with the line. He's very often asking to come out of games where, like, Derek Henry could get 50 carries and he's not coming out until he has to. You know, so I think conditioning and just dedication, honestly, to the game might be my concern. But he's the kind of guy that if that O-line gets right and if he could just commit himself in the offseason – I think he could surprise you, and I think where you guys took him in, in our recent startup, you know, JB, you were courteous enough to reach out to me and say, Dan, if you want, here's your shot at Zeke before we take him, and you were upfront. front. He said, I'm 100% taking him, and I respected that, but he's he's got, like, boom potential for you. I, I'd be watching what happens this offseason with him.
1: Dan, I'm going to make my motive very clear. It had nothing to do with courtesy. It <laughs> it, it was – I messaged Mitch, hey, should we see if we can get a King's Ransom from Dan? But yeah, yeah, sure. I was trying to be a nice guy.
0: I'm still giving you the benefit of the doubt. I do appreciate you reaching out, all right? I do appreciate you reaching out. But I did. I said 100%, no (laughs) BS, we're taking them. I, I know I'm, I know your guys' trade values. It's always straight up, so I'm not worried about that. Even if it is a king's ransom, you're upfront about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But is there anything
1: else here? You know.
2: Yeah, I, I wanted I, to bring I, up something real quick on the running back value, and it's actually something that's I've been thinking about for a while. Because on a few episodes ago, John, you brought up how in a startup, I chose to draft James Conner. Yep. Over consider. there was rookie picks in there, and I picked the. 202 over it, I think. It was it was, it was a 14 team league. So yeah. giving you the benefit of the doubt no, a little it, bit. It's fine. But now I've been thinking about it. And ever since you said that, I'm like, did I make the right move? And the more I think about it is we always have these sell running backs. So Chris Carson has been a sell since he came in the league. <laughs> James Conner's been a sell for the last two years. Um, we see James Robinson, who we just talked about on Confidential, is kind of in the same situation. There will always be running backs in the league that are being touted as sells all offseason in Dynasty. Derrick Henry three years in a row? Yeah, exactly. Derrick Henry's another good one. So honestly, I will take the loss in that. I should have taken the draft pick. Because say I go out and I overdraft someone like Amon Ross St. Brown, right? I bet you in September I could trade St. Brown probably straight up for Carson if that's what I choose. And I don't even know where Carson's going to be right now. Or sorry, Connor, I switched names up on you, but let's say it's Connor. I bet you, I could probably make that trade in September. As long as that team isn't like really, really trying to compete this year.
0: Yeah. But how do you know James Connor's going to, I mean, I know law of average, he's going to get hurt, but at the point you took him, who would predict the Steelers O-line would be, would it be, and he, and he couldn't rebound? He's still young enough. He still has the potential enough. I mean, you got to hit that rookie too, Mitch, like that, that rookie running back, to know he's going to get that value, because that could be a bust, and it could be a, the exact opposite situation with a rookie and a veteran this this season.
1: For me, and it comes down to this running back perception, it was just the fact that that pick has that insulated value now through beginning of May. And if anything, James Conner is just going to continue to lose value because we're, I, I don't think the Steelers extend him. I think it, he, it,
0: he may be the bad example. And I'm not saying Mitch right. is wrong yeah. there. Like, I definitely understand Mitch's point. But if you go back in time, there's no way you could have predicted the Steelers couldn't run the ball this year.
2: Yeah, like, well, this no, 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 Any no. running back in that yeah. situation, whether it's James Conner, who there will always be a sell, right? Whoever the cell is, there's going to be four or five of them going into the year, just like there are. Todd Gurley was one last year, David Johnson. I'm sure we're going to have some of the exact same sh- situation in August. Was that a so- curse word? Did, did that just slip in there? I don't think so. No, I, you said... I think it came
0: so fast. It, it was, was like sorry, sh-
2: situation. So this, yeah, my speaking abilities aren't always the greatest thing out there. It's
0: a double header, man. His yeah. arms getting tired.
1: We're Mitch and I are against the ropes. We're we're getting woozy here. We're getting woozy. But uh yeah, so again, the my thought here was, and I think this is what Tim was or was it Jeff who, who posed the question? You know, talking about the perception and how the positions are seen, and it kind of is gonna tie into our last topic here about roster value versus market value. But before we get there, I do want to talk about the market inefficiencies, and this can be talked about in several different ways. And you know, there might be certain players you guys are looking at, but the way I look at it, and I we talked about this in the Discord but when the NFL tells us how they feel about a player and the fantasy community feels a different way, we see the difference in, in the market and the market inefficiency there. And I said last year, it was a lot like bringing an Ayuk, where he was a first round pick in the NFL draft. And if you get first round draft capital in the NFL draft, whoa, whoa, you, you should be a top fantasy producer. You should have tremendous value in super flex rookie drafts. He was going in the second round. And I think there are a lot of players this year that because of the unknown, not unknown, that's not the right word, but I think a lot of people are going to go in with their second round of rookie drafts looking completely different. And the one we talked about this year, let's say Terrace Marshall slips into the back end of the first he still might go in the second round of rookie drafts. So I I just think there's always opportunities there. And that was my thought with the market inefficiencies. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts here or if you're just like, I don't even know what the heck JB wants to talk about with this.
2: I have no idea where that was going, but that was a pretty good speech. I like it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that was just kind of my my soapbox. That might be a, a minute and a half segment. We're moving on here, but I just think there's always those differences. And on the other side, Mitch, you, you talked about it with Rondell Moore.
2: Yeah. Rondell Moore is so tough for me yeah. because, like, I love Rondell Moore and it's not like I want to bash him as a prospect at all. My biggest worry with him is, you know, he was injured his sophomore year. We had the COVID thing happen. He came back to Purdue, then kind of left Purdue and came back to Purdue. But that's not my biggest issue. My biggest issue is he was injured, he had the amazing freshman season. But when you listen to NFL draft podcast right now with Jeremiah and all the others, my biggest worry is they just don't bring him up. They talk about Marshall. They talk about Atwell. You know, they bring up guys who were so far down my list, and I never hear Moore's name being brought up. And it reminds me so much of other wide receivers we've seen in the past to where we've been really high on him in Dynasty and the NFL wasn't there. The NFL might still get there. You know, This might be a Jalen Rager thing because Jalen Rager wasn't talked about at this point. No matter how he turned out fantasy-wise, he was still drafted in the teens by the Eagles. And that could easily happen with more still, but right now we just aren't hearing it. And so I have this hard thing in my tears right now. I have him as an early second round value, but that's kind of contingent on him being going in the second round and not the third. And if he ends up dropping to that late second, early third, I don't really know what to do with him in the rookie draft rankings right now. Based on
1: conversations, he's one of those players that I don't think I'll be acquiring too much of Mm -hmm. just because people still see him. You know, I I did a mock with uh, uh, Kev and then Dave Wright over uh, on the Double D Fantasy podcast. And well, I I told my wife, this won't take longer than an hour. It went two hours, and that was only because I messaged them and said, Guys, I gotta bounce here soon. But then after I said I have to leave, I kept saying, But wait, wait, what about this? What about this? So you know you know how I operate, but we did a mock draft and Rondell Moore went at like 107 or 108 in Superflex, And if that's the, the price point, I I don't want him there today. But now you're telling me the NFL views him a certain way and there is that market inefficiency and the comparison between the NFL and the fantasy community. I, I can't get on board with that. So Mitch, I think that's spot on. I thought Mitch. I was, I thought Mitch was going
2: to say, something. Uh, I else. thought Dan was jumping in my bad, but I mean, my name just, was
0: Mitch. I would have, but I thought he laid it, it up to you there, Mitch. Personally, I'm sorry. It's my fault. It's my, <laughs>
2: double headers, man, double headers. But I mean, we see this happen with wide receivers a lot, right? Um, I don't know if we've seen one with this breakout age that we've seen Rondell Moore and how explosive he is and how I think his game fits perfectly in the NFL. So this isn't a Rondell Moore hate at all. This is a, I hope the NFL likes him as much as we do.
1: And the the receivers you talked about historically, well, historically last few years, uh, Hakeem Butler, Kelvin Harmon. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about this on confidential with Ryan McDowell, but they were going pre NFL draft in startups. If rookies were included They were going as top 12 rookies. And then the NFL basically crushed our hopes and dreams for those players. So it's very interesting to look at it both ways. And Dan, I'll lay it up to you. Do you have anything else here?
0: Yeah, I mean the rocket the rocket value, the roster value and the market value to me has been very intriguing in the story. I don't
1: of- even know what we're talking about tonight <laughs> at this point. We're talking about situations and rocket value, rocket power, the old Nickelodeon show. I don't even know what we're talking about.
0: I, I mean I have seen some rocket value, so maybe that is where I'm going with it because you know I crafted my my rankings, I watched a good share of rookie film. I'm I'm sure I'm not as deep as you guys are into those like deeper, deeper rounds, but I have all the rookies included in my rankings. And as our draft has been evolving, you know, the top names are going high as we anticipated. And then there's those kind of cusp guys that people value different than others. And, you know, whether it's Rondell Moore or, Rashad Bateman or, you know, you guys know I like Kadarius, Tony, whoever you like. They're still in a certain range. But then I'm seeing these other rookies go and I'm like, who? Like, who's <laughs> who, who, who's who's Kylan Hill? Like, like, like yeah. I mean, yep. And they are going before some very talented NFL players that I know are going to help us win this year. And I'm not willing to wait for this guy that I don't even know if us or the NFL is aware of at this point. Uh, like, whoo.
1: That is a fantastic point. When Killen Hill went, I I actually kind of furrowed my brow. And we've talked about that league startup in our Discord with the the patrons. And I've said it multiple times. It's a fantastic group in that league. It's a very smart group. So it's like murderers row, heavy hitters nonstop. But here's my thing with that. And Dan, do you have the draft up in front of you by chance? I do. Who who did Hill go in front of, if if you can pull that up quickly?
0: Well, he just went recently. So we're at 10.06 in the draft. Tyler Lockett and Curtis Samuel just went a couple picks after him. So, I mean, that's a good starting point. And then I've got some names that I wrote down tonight that we were talking about, you know, the – the market value versus where I think they could be a great roster value, and I want right. don't, some don't, of jump these guys. don't
1: jump ahead, don't jump ahead,
0: don't jump ahead. I'm not, I'm not I'm not, but like to think that Mr. Hill went in front of all these guys on my list and Lockett and Samuel that just went. I'm I'm my, I'm scratching my head. It makes no sense to me, and I get how rookies are hyped in this league and everyone wants their share, but you can wait a couple rounds there.
1: Here's my biggest thing. And Mitch, you and I have talked about this and you talk about the contingency. Well, so-and-so is right here in my rookie rankings, but it's contingent upon that pesky thing known as draft capital. Mm -hmm. And for me, the big one is Michael Carter. I love Michael Carter. I, you know, uh, Easter's coming up. I might invite him over for some Easter ham if he's available. I don't know. I don't know, but it is an open invitation. But if he slips to that fourth round in the NFL draft, I can't justify taking that gamble in a startup. Now, a rookie draft, we're going to know that before the rookie draft. So that's a completely different story. But as a cautionary tale, and I think Keelan Hill is a great example, uh, maybe some of these other questionable wide receivers, are are they going to go in the first two rounds? We don't know. But those are players that I'm not going to be as adventurous on as maybe a Kenny Gainwell, who I'm fairly certain is going to get that top three Round draft capital.
0: I think as you evaluate these guys, you have a belief that they are going to go in the top two rounds, at least maybe three, and still be comfortable with it again, depending on what position. We know running backs, you know, often some very talented running backs go in that second and third round, so we're okay with that. Yep. But if I'm drafting these guys at this point, like in these first 10 rounds, there's got to be a part of me that says this guy could be a star in the NFL to some capacity, you know, not necessarily mega superstar, but they're going to be an impact player for many years to come versus a guy that is a long shot to do that. I don't want to take a long shot at this point just because he's a rookie and, you know, one person out there likes him or one scout likes him. He just might be a good football player, not necessarily a fantasy football player. So I have a lot of trouble with a few of these names that have went. Um, I think you're just gambling way too much.
1: I I, I just think there's that threshold and that cutoff where that draft capital becomes a big question. And Mitch, we don't want to fall into that trap. Hey, the fantasy community, we're in that little bubble, right? We Mm -hmm. love player X, but Daniel Jeremiah and the NFL crew.
2: I mean, it's not only him too. I mean, if you go to any of the mock drafts on the NFL network, like right, right. It just doesn't come up. And, I know the guys over at the draft network. I follow a lot of their stuff. And they they like him a lot more than the other guys do. But he still isn't ever talked about going in the first round. And if I'm not hearing his name being brought up, that's when I'm like, I'm a little bit worried about this. But like I said, it, it, there's still uh, two months and a week to go before the draft. And so we could definitely see it move up at that time.
1: Speaking of the draft, I have to give a little spoiler here last year we did the live draft extravaganza it was live on youtube and i think we were on periscope on twitter as well mm-hmm. it was about five and a half hours and it was that thursday night <sighs> boys i plan on going thursday and friday this year i think mitch you're in mm-hmm. dan if you're available both nights i know you know the weekend there on friday the family commitment uh even though mitch and i have families too so i don't know <laughs>
2: Why
1: that was the thing? <laughs> I, I got approval. Right. I, I asked for approval last year, and I just keep throwing that reminder. Hey, just so you know, I'm out of commission for essentially 11 hours that Thursday and Friday. So, Dan, we'll talk behind the scenes, but I hope you can join us both nights.
0: See, see the hardest part for me is the kid in me. You know, like I am like that kid that likes the three TVs up and watching all the draft stuff and you
1: can you can do that. You did it last year, I think. Yeah, but
0: I, I I started downstairs and then I had to come upstairs because the Wi-Fi didn't That's work true. downstairs. Yeah. I, so there's time though. I'm still gonna keep working on this. So so hang <laughs> in there. But the C D Lamb was a blast last year. It was it was that was a Christmas gift during our draft.
1: Yeah, we'll figure it out, but this year it is going to be exclusive to the Patreon. Uh, you know, whichever tier you were on, it doesn't matter you're going to have access to the, the live draft show. Again, I plan on 11 hours at least between that Thursday and Friday. And this year, I, I kept saying it's going to be like the middle of the third round and there's going to be that guy that we, we want to go that day too. We need him to go in day two. And he just doesn't get there. And if for some reason Kenny Gainwell goes in the fourth round, I'm going to be so upset. I'm
2: yeah, if his so name upset. isn't brought up those first two days, I, I might quit. We're just going to be sweating here as the draft
0: progresses are you worried about his size though like he could be a slot receiver
2: well we we don't so he hasn't played for a year and he was like what 180 or 185 at memphis so hopefully in a year he could put on 10 pounds of weight that's what my hope is but the truth is we won't really know because i'm not gonna whatever his pro day or wherever his workout is i'm not gonna trust it like i don't put any faith in any of that stuff so it's just gonna I'm just gonna If the NFL drafts him in the second or third round, I'm going to be confident. If they don't, then I'm out. And that's going to be, that is going to be the big red flag. And one
1: of the things that people talk about with him. But again, you know, it's going to be exciting to see how the NFL views these players. But like I said, live draft show, Patreon exclusive. I am so excited for it. We're going to have guests bouncing in and out. We did it last year. It was an absolute blast. So hopefully everybody wants to join us for that all right so there we got a little bit out of market inefficiencies we we got a little bit out of that i had to pull it out of you guys but we got there and now dan you wanted to jump the gun but another thing we wanted to talk about roster value versus market value so roster value are you a producer are you helping me win market value if i look to trade you does it even make sense to do so so dan you had, I think, a few specific players you wanted to bring up.
0: Yeah, this this was a very interesting topic you picked, and it, it kind of ties into market inefficiencies to some degree. But, you know, the market value, again, I've been a sponge over the last three years. I've always tried to be very active trading in the drafts, a little less aggressive this year um, than I was in past years. Not so much that I was less aggressive trading because I've put out a ton of offers, but – a little less aggressive in trying to like tr- trade the farm. Cause I remember like in, in the past previous two years, I had some big holes and long stretches without draft picks and gaps this year. I've kept my draft a little bit more balanced and not having long gaps, but I've traded some draft capital drafted very young, early. So the market value, my first eight, nine picks are very young dudes with upside that I know I could trade at probably any point. I've already had some offers for for some of those guys, but then as we have entered about the 10th round of this current draft, you know, those young studs are starting to dry up. The top rookies, although there's still some good rookies on the board, the top ones are drying up. So now people are finally hitting that point where my, my biggest example was Julio Jones who went at 9-11. We've shared some other um, mock drafts in our no, actual startup drafts in our Patreon. So I even went back and looked at them and like – all right, is it just this league? Where's Julio going? And this elite wide receiver is going ninth, 10th, 11th round. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, he had hamstring issues last year. He only played seven games, so that's affecting his value as well. But he's still an elite wide receiver. And I know he's 32, but, again, like Larry Fitzgerald had some good later years. I just think Julio's a freak. He's not your typical. And not don't get me wrong, Larry's not an exciting guy in these last few years, but He's been on some rosters. He's been a bi-week guy. But I think Julio's like King Henry. There's like just different than the rest of the players at their position where there's gonna be more longevity. You know, the the man above just kind of made them differently. So at 9-11, and I wanted him, and he got sniped before me, and I was kind of fired up mm. because I'm thinking Julio could help my young receivers. Uh, like, like uh, Devonta Smith develop a little bit on my (laughs) roster and, and Tony who I drafted, you know, I I need that veteran presence now. So I, I I was really surprised that at nine 11, I I think that's just some great roster value for a guy that, Hey, if he gets you two more years, he's going to be incentivized. He's got one year left in his Atlanta deal. So he, he should come in in great shape again. Let's say he doesn't have the hamstring puts up a great year, gets one more last contract, get you another good year. Hey, he helps you win. And then you have time to get younger.
2: You know, him and Julio are, sorry, him and Julio, Hilton and Julio are the two guys right now where you get super late in drafts and you have to be okay. And the reasoning behind it is you have to be okay with them dying on your team pretty much. Like the trade value just isn't there, but I try to talk John into Julio and he was like, well, what a, out if we just see if he waits one more round (laughs) of course he didn't make us back to us but it's okay but with Julio I'm actually okay with him just being on my roster till he's not in the league anymore like he is so good and I love watching him play that much that like I will tune in to watch the Atlanta Falcons play if I have a choice between them and other teams Atlanta Falcons are usually ones that I choose because I do really like him I like Matt Ryan And so just being able to have him on my rosters, being able to watch him adds just a little bit to it as well. I am perfectly fine with Julio being on my roster. and
1: As Mitch phrased it, dying on my roster. But I can't, in in good faith here, take him going into 2021 in a brand new startup, especially a 14-team league where maybe you get one season.
0: GB nine, 10th, 11th round here. I was ready. You know, in the, the software of, of my fantasy league where you draft and you could put a comment after you pick, I was all locked and loaded <laughs> to put retire on my roster. Julio, just like Mitch said, I could just live with them. Cause I mean, we, we've all experienced that. We've had them in different uh, dynasty rosters and every year he gets traded at some point or you can't move him and you're, but like, if I could get him this late, I have no problem with him sitting on my roster. I mean, no problem at all.
2: And he's not the only
0: one. Like, you know, Mitch mentioned T.Y. Hilton, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen. Like, there's some good football players that got a few years left in them that we we still want to win now. We're still building our team around a startup, you know, vision of young, talented players, lots of rookies. You can have a couple of those guys on your roster and be okay with it.
1: I'm okay with it. And again, I have Julio and I have Ty Hilton. I just can't do it in a fresh startup here heading into the 2021 season. But it is certainly so easy to look at these aging veterans and you just rattled four of them off Julio, Hilton, Lockett, Thielen, who are going to be productive when they're on the field. And we've seen that. I mean, Ty Hilton, he really blew up there towards the tail end of the season after people had him on a milk carton the first. Ten weeks or whatever but i like i said i think it's easy to put all of those guys in that bucket as a massive gap between roster value and market value but there's some younger players too but dan i think you want to i want to ask you
0: i want to ask you a question there so mitch had that itch to get julio i had that itch to get him but i mean 14 team league 13 teams kept passing so you may be in the majority, John, or maybe there was a couple teams right behind us that were, were, I'm sure he was on their radar. If you were just drafting independently, John, or when would you, when would you take him? Cause I did see in other startups, he he went even later than this.
1: Yeah. And it was tough with this being a 14 team league. I knowing this league, it, it impacted my decision a little bit because I know a lot of the people in the league, if you're over 25, they don't want you. And it comes down to that trade value. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm Mitch knows. He always says, John, you're playing dynasty scared. You're playing dynasty. And I don't know what that voice is, but that's the voice I gave (laughs) you. Pretty close.
2: It's accurate.
1: But I, yeah, I I don't want to take a player on that is going to be stuck on my roster
2: at this point.
0: But in 14 teams, team league, where you need that depth, He's gonna help you win this year.
2: Just wait. I'm gonna talk John into drafting David Johnson here at some point, point. and I mean it's gonna happen.
0: Ooh, we didn't get to running backs yet.
2: John's not gonna answer for like a couple sec for like a couple seconds when we're on the clock. And be like, oh, somehow we drafted David Johnson. I'm not sure how that happened. Yeah, but <laughs> to answer your question, Dan, I if he would have been there, so I didn't
1: think he would be there. Our next pick around because we. No, I see how it is. But I, I didn't say that we would get him the next because we were at the... We weren't going to draft him. <laughs> I, I wasn't. But we were on the turn, so I, I thought there was a very little chance that he would come around. But I actually had another player that I wanted. I'm not going to say it because we are coming up on the clock soon. and I Mitch, we're going to get him, I think. And I'm not going to say who it is. I'll, I'll message you after. All right, all he's right. still on the board.
2: But oh, I know who it is.
1: Th- there were a few directions we were going to go. And Mitch talked about Julio. It's just, I don't know. Uh, I I will say the the next picker runs, the 10th run, I guess. I guess that would have been.
0: So you were getting close. You're getting close. Mitch could have caved in.
1: But again, I I look at it and would I take Julio over the 201 or 202? No, the answer is no. I I couldn't do that. And I I throw it back to the the value when you compare existing leagues to startups. And I, I just. That's where I am. Um, can, can I steal the one guy, Mitch? Uh, yeah. We, we t- talked about him a little bit. But I, I think Rashad Penny might be an ex- a perfect example. Mm-hmm. If you try to trade Rashad Penny, it doesn't make sense. And is he going to amount to anything here? Maybe not. But is there that slight possibility, that slight chance that he is the starting running back in a Pete Carroll you know, situation that runs wants to run the ball, there is that possibility. And I don't think it makes sense to trade Rashad Penny. So if I have him on my team, I'm I'm gonna keep him and I'm even gonna go out and try to acquire.
2: But I think a lot of people have that same mindset at this point. That's such a good point because I have him on a few teams to where like my team is out of it. But he is such a home run shot to where if someone mm-hmm. comes up to me and asks me like, hey, what's the trade value on Penny? I'm like, if you could get a mid second, that's probably fair. But if someone offers me a mid-second on those rosters, I'm not going to move them for a mid-second. You need because that home run. There yeah. is the moonshot there to where, what if you could end up getting a first instead of the second? Then all of a sudden your draft equity just gets that much better. And I think
1: if, if Rashad Penny, let's say he goes in the season, he's named the starter of the Seattle Seahawks in week one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think you could get a 2022 first if you wanted to. You don't yes. think so, Dan?
0: I I just can't believe all the Rashad Penny talk today between the chat and now our, now our pod. I had a, that's why I brought him up. He was like the undertaker in my rankings today. He just rose straight up from the dead. Like I'm like, I I think Mitch's last comment on the Patreon there of like uh, Rashad Penny going so undervalued. I went to my rankings Mm -hmm. and I moved them up like 15 spots, you know? Oh, but So, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know if I'm a believer yet. I definitely understand where you guys are going. I mean, they have draft capital in the guy. You know, is it injuries that's held him back? He's still young. We know Carson's going. There's no one else in the picture yet. But to me, I just feel like they're going to, A, draft someone. Who knows? Maybe they like Carlos Hyde for all I know. Like, I just – he still he could be there. He could come back. I just Did don't see come, him banking on Rashad on. Penny. I really don't. But, yeah, but, but, you know. I, don't know. But
1: I like what Mitch said in that situation – where his roster he's rebuilding and sure you could cash out now. I don't know if you're going to get a mid second, to be honest with you. I've been offered
2: a mid second, to be honest. Have you? I turned it down. Yep. Okay.
1: But yeah, I I think again, and we've talked about this, everything should be on a scale of of probabilities and what's the likelihood of certain things happening. And if you get a two Oh six or two that pick could certainly bust just as much as Rashad Penny. So there's certainly risk both ways. But if Rashad Penny is named the starter, there's just tremendous upside, not only in production, but also in market value. Uh, a guy that I think if you were contending um, in 2020, like JD McKissick, uh, players like that, those running backs that they're so unsexy, like they're, they're, there's no appeal there but there's production, and I I I think those are guys that kind of fit this. uh Dan, did you have any other specific guys?
0: I mean, as you talk running back again, here we are in the the tenth round of this league, approaching the eleventh round, and there's I mean, Chris Carson just went ten one. I think that's a a good value. There's a team that was kind of going with the zero running back theory to degree. I, th- I think they took a rookie to get to land Chris Carson this late with that strategy as they went deeper in other positions, I, I think is a very good value.
1: I'm good with him there.
0: And then, you know, we talked about James Conner early in the show. He's still available. He could be a starting running back somewhere. He Melvin, should stay available. <laughs> a little salty, I hear. But the Melvin Gordon, he's a starting running back, still out there. And there's a couple other guys that could be oh, the home run draft picks that are on the board. So, I think, again, market value, these guys are sliding, they're dipping, but there are some nice roster value plays in a 14-team league at running back going into the 11th round. So I think that's just something to keep in mind as you're drafting. You can get value late. And then the quarterback position is going to be really interesting. And that's I have less conviction on it. It's more of a gamble. But somebody's getting some starting quarterback somewhere. And this
2: goes – or, go ahead, Mitch. I was just saying Cam Newton right now is just one of those guys who's available so late. I end up with him on my teams because there's a point in drafts to where you get to the 12th and 13th round and you're like, Cam Newton's there. Why don't you take him? I mean, the odds of him being a backup quarterback in the league, very low. I don't think anybody's going to sign him up to be a backup. But the chance that someone brings him in to compete for for a starting spot this year, I think there's every chance in the world. I mean, the Washington football team would be the one that we could immediately look to and be like, look, they need something there. Mitch, let me ask you, and I'm, I'm going to
1: risk it here. There's only three picks before our pick. Let, let's mm-hmm. hope that either these gentlemen don't listen to our show. It would be <laughs> so foolish not to. Seriously. Yes. yes. Or they don't listen to it in time. Drew Locke is still on the board. No, And I don't I don't know if you saw this, but no. the Woody Page, listen, somebody had a question on Twitter. It was Black Sheep, Black Sheep FF, and we're in a few leagues with him. And he said, hey, can somebody tell me, is Drew Locke going to be the starting quarterback in Denver? I need to know. So what do I do? I tap into our resources at Dynasty Theory, and I say, Where, where's my man? Where's Woody? Woody Page. I said, Woody, can you lead Black Sheep in the right direction? And so the question is, Is Drew Locke going to be the starter? Woody responds, yes, period. That is it. Mic
2: drop, Woody, out. That's, I mean, he could be the starter. I still don't want him.
1: But we're in the 10th round. Value, value, value. We already
2: have three quarterbacks. We're fine. I would rather have a quarterback who at least, look, what does Drew Locke have to do to keep the job going into 2022? He has to have a very good season. He's in the same division as the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. Are you telling me that the Broncos are going to be competing with those teams with Drew Lock at quarterback?
1: No, but it's—I don't think it's team. possible. It's a 14-team Super Flex leagues. The remaining quarterbacks are Drew Lock, Teddy Bridgewater, Jamie Newman, Kyle Trask, Taysom Hill.
2: Cam we got Newton. our three already. That's why we went with Trey Mitchell Lance Trubisky, in the third. Marcus you, Mariota. You, you don't Dalton. you don't think of Drew Locke? No one is trading for Drew Locke. Today they're so not this is <laughs> a thing between <laughs> roster value and market value. That that it's a great No great one co- is gonna trade for Drew Locke. Someone would go into a draft, they'd be like, so say they're they're four and four and they just lost their starting quarterback. They're like, you know, I could be in it, I could go trade for Drew Locke, or I could just stop competing. And they're going to be like, "Look, this was a fun season, guys. I'm out."
1: But let me ask you: Who has a better chance? And I listen. I know, of, I know. Get rid of your Drew Lockheed. See, Dan, Mitch missed that episode with Woody Page. If he were on that episode, he True. would love the Broncos because Woody was just—it was fantastic. I can't say the word Woody anymore. Anyway, who has a better chance of gaining value? Miles Gaskin, Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Cooks. Logan Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Raheem, Raheem Mostert. I'm getting fired up. I can't even say That was name. a lot
2: of names. I can only remember like two of them.
1: Or Drew Locke. Drew Locke is the
2: answer.
0: No. It depends what you believe in at this point. I mean... It is a
2: 14-team super flex league. Really? Who can? Miles Gaskins. What if the Dolphins don't draft a running back? Then what happens?
1: And again, when we look at the, the scale of probability, I think there's a better chance than not. And don't say it, Mitch. Well, we said this was going to happen last year,
2: too, and they did take a, a running back. Did that not happen? I'm just wondering, did that happen or did it not happen? I'm not living in 2020. Oh, you're not? Okay, that's good. We're in 21 now. That's a plus. Yes, hence why I'm not living
1: based mm-hmm. on last year's results because it has no bearing on what they do in this year's draft. And you can huh. give me the smart ass.
0: Hey, you both, you both have good points. And to our listeners, this is the point in the drafts where we've got to get some conviction. And I think we're all hoping to hear something from the media. Wait a minute, you, guys, you guys are killing me tonight. Look at it, I love it. I love it. But I mean, I,
1: someone,
0: I, I, Someone's I not going to have a seat at the table at, at the quarterback position. And it looks like Drew Locke will have a seat at the table. So he is a starting quarterback to JB's point. To Mitch's point, he doesn't think he's going to have it next year. He thinks this is going to be a short leash.
2: So we can't draft Julio Jones because like, he only has one year left but who, who is an elite wide receiver, but drew lock on the other hand, who isn't a good quarterback should be drafted because who has more value overall uh,
1: market value in a Julio. 14 team. How many freaking times can I say it? 14 team
2: super flex league. It could be a 32 team triple super flex league. Okay. I will take Julio over drew lock. Okay. All right. We'll 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 leave it at
1: that. Do you guys have anything else here over uh, roster value versus market value? I try to have a serious conversation, and Mitch just keeps throwing his very subjective views. I don't know how I co-manage with him.
0: Uh, I'm just really interested to see what quarterbacks – keep a starting job at this point
2: dan's like i don't even know what to say <laughs> he's like <laughs> i'm so sick we've of you go we've gone Just so far
1: the show
0: off the i'm done it's, it, it's off the rails it's off the rails
1: all right well here we go guys Let, let's wrap it up
2: final thoughts
1: dan what are your final thoughts here uh this is the last episode of february and then we're, we're rolling into march with next week's episode
0: Perfect segue to my final thought there. March 5th, we'll start the first NFL pro or college pro day as we get ready for the NFL draft April 29th. But from March 5th to April 9th, will be pro days. So get ahead of that schedule. Start. Let's start, you know, getting some more uh, draft nuggets on these guys that we're evaluating. As there'll be many more startups this offseason. Your Memphis pro day there, Mitchell, is March 19th. So you know we know they produced those running backs, so Mm -hmm. we'll get a a sneak peek at your boy Gainwell. Hopefully he put on a couple pounds. But uh, I I do believe in Memphis. He does look good. So looking forward to those pro days, guys. March is going to be a fun month.
2: All right, Mitch, let's hear your final thought on how you love Drew Locke. Drew Locke is an amazing quarterback. He's just not the quarterback for me, and that's okay.
0: Who's gonna win this in the startup? I'm I'm gonna be interested to see what it, happens. It's,
2: it's not gonna be
1: me because
2: I, I'm not looking to. to
1: we anything. both
2: know I'll be asleep by the time we're on the clock. So you just choose whoever <laughs> you want at that point.
1: Oh, how do we auto pick true luck? No, <laughs> Go, know. We'll, no. We'll, we'll talk about it, of course. All right. Hopefully you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Uh, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. And again. If you want some exclusive bonus Drew Locke content, come over to patreon.com forward slash dynasty theory. (laughs) Stay safe, even though it is sure difficult. Be kind to each other and have a great night.